Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today we have a big guest, and that's comedian, actor, writer, podcaster extraordinaire, Jonah Ray. We talked about the Weaker Thans' 2000 album, Left and Leaving. Super excited to chat with Jonah, and not just about the Weaker Thans. You may recognize him from Head in America, The Meltdown with Kamel Nanjiani, Jonah Radio, and most recently in Mystery Science Theater. Ooh, that's a lot. And here's more. You may also recognize Jonah from recent films such as Puka Lives and Victor Crowley. Jonah also started a new podcast called Let Me Watch Your Movie With You, where he talks to directors, creators about their movies. So all of you genre film hounds, please catch up. It'd be a huge understatement to express how much of a fan I am of Jonah, and really just how much overlap our interests are in terms of horror, comedy, and broadly stated punk music. So huge treat. Ooh, one more thing. By the way, we just started a Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Pitch in a little bit if you can. And we're going to release some content over there soon and try to drop some episodes early just for patrons. Check that out. Okay, here we go on to the episode. Are you vegan, or do you simply enjoy good food delivered straight to your door? Then you should probably check out Nourish. Nourish offers culturally diverse, gluten-free, organic vegan food for meal delivery and catering, all while enriching their community, employees, and our planet. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can find them at nourishcharlotte.com. If you're in the New York area, check out nourishdelivered.nyc. Nourish yourself. You deserve it. Hi, Jonah. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Excited to talk about music. And today we are talking about The Weaker Thans, uh, the album from the year 2000, Left and Leaving. And you don't know this, but I feel like every album that I've been talking about recently is from the year 2000. Um, I don't know why that is, but maybe it's our general ages of the people that I've been talking to. I'm going to say, because that is a, you know, the millennial shift uh, is very much a thing. It's also, you know, I'm, I'm 38. So I, you know, it came out the summer after I graduated high school. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, I think, is that around the age of people you're talking to? 38? Yeah. Yeah. So it's always going to be somewhere around there because that's such a, like a starting your life kind of moment. Uh, I always think uh, sometimes... I think your favorite movie comes out when you're 12, and I think when it, your favorite albums come out when you're uh, just getting out of high school. Yeah, I feel like sometimes, though, well, funny talking about like my favorite movie. Now I feel like it's like, well, that was my favorite movie then, but I don't, you know, it's yeah. like I, I don't know if I'd want to go around and be like, like around that age, I was like Reservoir Dogs was my favorite movie. I think you know, but it's like. Well, I don't think it has to be like when you were twelve. I think uh, I think if it came out when you were twelve, there's something to it. Oh, okay. There's something about that because because uh, like I ask people like like well, what's like your one of your all time favorite movies or what's your favorite movie and it's like uh, they'll say it and I'll go what how old are you when it came out because for me it was like I realized I was talking to my friends and mine is Ed Wood and you know that came out in '94 and um and then everyone started saying theirs and it was just like it was just 
pretty much every time it was when you were 12. It's mm. not a, it's not hard science. I'm not saying that yeah. that's always going to be the case. There's some people that, you know, would probably update it. And I, yeah, I like, it's yeah. not like I haven't liked other movies since. Yeah. I'll just keep like, I'll be like, no, but I think my favorite movie is predator. And yeah. Like, well, I guess this theory doesn't work. So bye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> bye. Die hard to Christmas movie. Bye. Yeah. I actually, my wife today was like, I was like, uh, what's a better Christmas movie home alone or, uh, Die Hard, and she was like, "Die Hard's not a Christmas movie." Like, it's like oh. you know, there, there. I believe that's like that's always that big thing that people always uh, uh, try to like. That's the big conversation. Like, it's a Christmas movie, but it's like I think you know, it just because it seasonally takes place. Like, I, I think there's there's a Christmas spirit, you know, movie, and there's uh and and there's like a movie that takes place during Christmas. I don't know what it is about. Uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be really excited about this transition. Um, mm. I don't know what it is about the weaker thans, but I feel like every album by them feels like a Christmas album. But I always feel like it's always Christmas in Canada. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but they also like uh, you know I think it's like I may I know it's on Reconstruction site, but like uh, I think there's like some jingle bellish kind of sounds here and there <laughs> with the percussion. Um, I always say this, and I got into a fight with uh, Dan Ozzy, who's one of my favorite music writers. Not a fight, but just like a like. I said um, every every Wicker Than album, every Wicker Than's album uh, sounds the same. Uh, seems like sounds like the same album, but it's the best album. And it's like that's like a general. There is a progression for sure um, from their albums, but uh, there is something very comforting. Also, the fact that you know. John Sampson sounds a little like Big Bird. I think is very comforting for a lot of people. Um, I well, actually, that makes me think of the lately. Uh, since we were doing this, I was talking to like friends that are a little older than me, and I was asking them like, "Do you like weaker than's and kind of like more punk friends and quotes?" Mm. And they were like, "Uh." No, he, he, but the, the conception seemed to be like if you were a propaganda fan first, you might not be a weaker thans fan. And I feel like since I was a little younger, if you were a propaganda <laughs> fan first, you might but, not be a weaker thans fan. <laughs> um, if you like later day propaganda, you might not be a weaker thans fan. Uh, my wife yeah. didn't like them, didn't like weaker thans for a while, uh, because she, um, because she grouped them together uh in the sad in the sad boy punk um stuff like uh because like you know the first time she heard about him was like when some irritating guy she knew growing up made her a tape it had them on it, it had dashboard confessional that's and so she kind of equated that yeah. she's like she's like oh i don't like that stuff before i respond i have, feel like i have to say my wife yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh yeah that well that's comforting to know that it's not just like a dude thing and that's also a different angle of not liking it that I, that I can understand for a little bit it just seemed to be kind of like like I know people that like Jawbreaker that don't like like Jess Brazil yes but they can at least agree uh, that uh, Thorns of Life uh, are, isn't as good as either of those <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone would disagree I yeah know, uh, <laughs> um, yeah you know it's a uh, I just remember um, I remember I didn't really know about it because like Fallow came out and which is their first album and I didn't really pay attention to it. I think I saw it like up, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and so um, when Left and Leaving was about to come out, 
my friend was like, uh, oh, I'm looking forward to the new week of things. I'm like, oh, who are they? It's like, oh, you, you remember? Because we all liked Propagandi. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, him going like, oh, you know the guy, the girls with the greenest eyes? Uh, I was like, yeah, I love that part of the song. He's like, uh, and the guy that does Anchorless? Uh, it's like, that's his new band. And I was like, oh shit. So I was like, I was ready. Cause I love that guy's voice. I was oh, like, oh, that's, that guy's voice. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I feel like, uh, uh, that, that seems to be the inverse of some of the, the guys I knew that were, that are like, he's the guy with the nerdy voice. So it's like, you, <laughs> you, you were predisposed to liking that voice. I mean, I think his voice is great. So I think, mm -hmm. I guess I have that same, you know, gene or something. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, it's funny that that's such a young person thing to like really, which I did too. But, um, you know, I started getting it like, I guess it was just be the whiny, whinier stuff. Um, it was just came around the same. Cause like, you know, late nineties, uh, you had, you know, get up kids and braid and like all these kind of, um, even, you know, even like, um, like, like your shirt, like shelter, like that, uh, like he was getting pretty whiny um which i like but also like you know lifetime which is more of a you know tough jersey whiny it was it was very much before things got a little bit out of control with that voice but what i liked about um john's voice is that uh it wasn't uh whiny it just wasn't aggressive but it was still like it was still punchy at the same time i guess yeah I was, I was watching a couple uh live videos of them and um they're kind of more current but I was just like, any of us could be on stage with them. Like, it's it's like they're a very unassuming band, you know? Yeah, they're not the most exciting live band. Um, <laughs> I would I, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the the coolest part, I mean, I love, they're, like, they're one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, but I do remember the coolest part. I think I saw them at the, they played at the Roxy, I think, uh, in L.A., um, which isn't my favorite venue, so that might have something to do with it. But I've, I've seen them at, like, different festivals and whatnot. But, uh, um it's I think it's it's that tube that you spin at different uh, speeds to make that the like they do that live and oh. it's like uh, and it's on I think uh, a song from uh, maybe reunion show I'm not too sure I can't remember exactly yeah I feel like and you were saying like they've kind of run together like I was like uh, when you when you picked this record. I was like, oh, cool. This is the one with Sun and Empty Room. And I love that song. And then I was yeah. like, oh, it's not. And then... Well, it's funny. I posted, like, because people, I was did, like, an Instagram question thing in my stories. And someone's like, a favorite album. And I put Left and Leaving. And multiple people responded with, why isn't it Reconstruction Site? Yeah. Like, it's like, why, are, why did you pick the wrong one? It was like what it felt like, you know. And like what we were saying before, I think it really has everything to do with timing yeah but i think i feel like someone said this on twitter or maybe you said it on twitter mm -hmm. i don't know uh someone was like every weaker than's album you listen to is at that moment your favorite weaker than's album oh like, yeah you know yeah. that might have been shoot that might have been a uh, dan ozzy because i know that he was going like off on dan twitter ozzy, yeah right? um, um yeah. and yeah i like i like all of them um but you know this is the the concept of the show is to pick <laughs> yes <laughs> i was gonna say like uh, the time i uh i had to do a hate song article for the av club where they have you pick a song and you're supposed to just like shit on a song um i did uh what i got by sublime and just basically just started tearing apart the band um because how can you pick just yeah. one <laughs> um 
Wow, we have to talk about, I mean, well, you grew up in Hawaii, and I feel like I want to, like, put a pen in that, because mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like I have a weird, not, I'm really inserting myself into it, but I grew up in a beach town. It's just like, I don't know. I've had people that are like, it feels like culture's kind of coming around to liking them again, and I'm like, we don't have to do that with everything, and I don't, I don't know how you feel about Sublime, you know, I don't know if it's the same. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's fine it's fine music. It's, you know, um, it's funny. I was just, uh, in my car today and, uh, steal my sunshine by Len came on. And I remember going like, this is better than any sublime song. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, do you get like a feeling of, I feel like a song will come on that I, I either thought I hated or just didn't have an opinion on. And now I find myself a lot saying there are worse things. Yeah, I think it's a thing where um, when we're young, especially I think in punk and getting into music, uh, we try we we're so desperately trying to define ourselves because we're nebulous, you know, we're we're nothing. We're trying to chisel something out of this vagueness of uh, how we grew up or who our parents were, and just try to find some identity. And I really think that hating something is a quick way to get that and so or and saying like i don't like it you know for years i was just like i don't like uh, you know i think radiohead is terrible i call them overrated dio head you know it's uh, it's like the joke i've had for years and um i you know because everyone liked it and it like i think that's like it was just a kind of a personality trait that i kind of put on um of just going like that sucks and i think that sucks and you're wrong if you think it's good and um and i came around on it you know, years ago when I was working at a record store and just kind of realizing like there's no such thing as bad music because um, it's all uh, subjective and, you know, it's a, you you can't, I don't like Britney Spears, but what if there was like a, or, you know, if there was a Britney Spears song that helped a girl in the right moment to get her through something and to make her feel like she wasn't alone and you're going to tell her, no, 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 because uh, she's not like a singer songwriter and there was songwriters involved in that. It's not a good song. You know, there's that that idea that people call out like um, here's here, uh, Beyonce needed, you know, 15 people to make all the single ladies. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, and then, you know, like Freddie Mercury made, you know, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by himself. It's just like it's like, OK. But yeah. they're both they're both fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean the, I, I hate that meme. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I hate that meme so like, much. It's like it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but even that that stupid fucking uh, Ryan Adams uh, Taylor Swift cover album. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing dudes at the time that were like, "Oh, I love this now." Yes. And it's like it's like the songs. I feel like those Taylor Swift songs weren't built to be that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, you can make it singer songwriter, dude, but it's like, could whoever, I don't want to keep saying Ryan Adams's name, but yeah. you know, it's like, it's like whoever is like, could they perform like Taylor Swift? Could they do what Beyonce does? Fuck no, they couldn't, you know? So it's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. it's a different thing. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, they're not, you can't like compare them. And so like coming even to that realization, as an adult is like a weird thing where I'm like, what do I hate anymore? Like, I don't yeah. know what I hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. Cause I was watching that two part HBO uh, Elvis documentary. I was never a huge, you know, Elvis fanatic. Um, but they, 
they talk about where he, you know, went into the army and he was kind of like out of the game for like two years, um, out of, you know, the pop music game. Um, and when he came back, it's when the Beatles and the, the British, uh, invasion kind of started. And, uh, the big difference was that he seemed not only, uh, dated with like his sound and his approach, um, which was of course becoming more increasingly, uh, you know, um, just like more Southern or more, you know, mm -hmm. gospel. Uh, but um, he didn't write his own songs and he didn't really play his own instrument uh, necessarily. And, and the idea of, it was kind of a new idea that these bands like made and played their own songs and were pop stars. Yeah. And so uh, there was, that started then, I think, you know, the singer songwriter, the fact that that's a term, you know, that they had to like say, Oh, he's, that's a singer. That person, she's a singer songwriter. She does both. Wow. Both. Yeah. But for us, like who grew up like listening to rock and punk, like of course that's that's just what you did, you know. Yeah, but even well, I mean, I can't really bring it back into John, you know, like Samson, but like some of the like punk musicians, it's like they were great frontmen, but probably didn't write a lick, you know. <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah, how it, it is. Yeah. And it's you know so, sometimes you need you know sometimes it can be a collaboration and it's it's fun but you know it's uh now that john's gone on to do you know his a uh, few solo records um i think it took him like i think i love the for his first solo but i think it was his second one um uh that which is winter wheat i think is the second one um but like that one he nailed it like it's like i think he'd had a bit of a wobbly time without the support group of uh the rest of the guys in the wicker thens yeah um and you know there was a bit more of a uh, it was a little thinner but then i think he kind of grew and then of course he put out like probably the best songs ever one of the best songs he's ever written um for like a, a library in uh in uh, uh winnipeg which is it's you know it's pretty great millennium for all yeah do you remember the first time you heard i know we kind of explained um uh, kind of liking my propaganda or do you remember the first time you heard Left and Leaving? Uh, yeah, I was, um, so I had graduated from high school uh, that, uh, you know, June in uh, summer 2000. And that's right when it came out. And my band at the time, Quarterhead, uh, we, had we had been planning for like, I think it was like a week or so after I graduated uh i think um we were going to go on tour on the west coast so we were all going to fly out to uh uh you know to california and then i like booked these shows just by calling people you know and calling a record store in a town and uh like being like who puts on shows punk shows can you get can i have their number you know racked up an insane phone bill because uh, i didn't have email or anything like that you know sending out the demo tapes and whatnot and um but uh, you know, we still had just this, the, 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 you know, the car we were using was a, had a CD player and I had just gotten the left and leaving CD. So this kind of like, I just graduated. I just had my heart broken too, by this girl that I thought like, uh, like we would started to like, it was like the first time I actually felt like kind of like a, like a thing, you know, it was this unrequited love. But then like, right before I left, she like revealed that she also liked me, but I was like going on tour and she was moving away. It was this whole kind of very dramatic thing in my, at, at that time. And, um, and this album was just kind of there for me. And I had my discman to listen to it when, you know, I wanted to, and I would put it in the car on a lot. And I, I, I don't know when the first time I heard it, 
but I know, um, I know that like the first time it really hit me, the first time I think about it was, uh, we were driving down the five, uh, freeway at night, um, uh, down to Los Angeles, I think from the Bay area and, uh, the moon was full like and we're in like kind of the middle of nowhere on the five freeway and the moon was full and huge like kind of coming up over the mountains in the east and i just and it was like kind of lighting up the valley and i just uh you know listening to that album because i was the one driving everyone was kind of sleeping and it just that's that's what i think about when i when i hear the album just this this fun thing i'm doing with my friends i'm out of high school i'm you know I know what love and loss is, you know, in my head at the time. And so it's a, it's a kind of a, and it's just this, that I, that thing, cause I didn't have any plans to go to college. I just, what I wanted to do was, you know, showbiz stuff. I wanted to, you know, perform and act and, you know, write and stuff like that and do comedy. And, um, and so it was this very specific moment of like, it's like, wow, I'm like, this this tour as terrible as it's going and how all the friends in this band all hate each other right now um like like this this is me i'm like a i'm a i'm i'm a i'm a performer like this is this is this is what i want to do for the rest of my life and that that album definitely uh is the soundtrack to that feeling of uh excitement and fear of like what might lie ahead as I, you know, had left Hawaii and was leaving my old life. How about that? See yeah. how that? <laughs> oh, you left and leaving. Um, <laughs> was that your first time on the West Coast? No, I had been, I had been there before. My, my mom's side of the family, uh, like, you know, they had been in California, like, uh, like Santa Cruz and then Chico, you know, Northern California. Uh, like, you know, we had gone on like vacations. I think like, you know, maybe three summers before my brother went, we went out to California to look at a, uh, colleges with them but it was like the you know, first time i was kind of just out there on my own did you all go like to oregon or washington yeah on that tour? yeah that well, we we did uh we did lake tahoe we did reno we did uh redding uh we went yeah. up to portland um back down san jose santa cruz show got canceled oh we did a uh some west coast washington or oregon town i can't remember manila yeah, I remember the thing I remember about like driving through uh, like Washington kind of Oregon area, just like kind of you go around a corner and it looks like the Goonies, you know, and I'm just yes. Like, wow. You know, just like, yeah, like, just like every time I turn, just like anyone in, in my band would probably just like, what an idiot. Just like, <laughs> just cause it's just like so picturesque and it's just, beautiful up there. The Pacific <laughs> Northwest is just like one of the prettiest places on the planet. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it was, you know, like sleeping on floors, you know, uh, you know, playing with bands. Um, we played Vegas, uh, out, like out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. It was a generator party Ooh. on, uh, and like, uh, you know, there's people just like th- shooting bottle rockets at the bands and stuff like that. It was like this crazy, the directions were crazy. Cause it's like, like at this, at this sign, at this like mile marker, go off. There's a, there's like a dirt pathway for your car go off and then when you see the burning car um like take a right and i was like oh they must mean burnt burnt out car but no there was a car on fire that they lit and then you go off to this aqueduct and then you know it was crazy i feel like i try and think about like just like how we got around like but then i think about something that i did i'm like that can't be real 
you know it's just like yeah. like someone would just you would really have to listen to kind of like i don't know just like an elder elder man would be like you got to listen to me you know there's the second and then like nowadays i'm like shut shut, shut the fuck up like you know it's yeah. like they still they still think that's how you have to get anywhere but like just tell me the fucking address tell me the fucking yeah. address but it used to be like you really had to intently listen and i would still space out and then get lost and it's like now i don't know how to get anywhere like it's like yeah yeah, I uh, I had like I remember I would uh I like planned so much because I booked the tour, so it's like you know I went to a Kinko's before we left and like map quested every route, and I remember like any time, because I remember there was like we had like a day off, and uh, all the all the guys in the band loved uh, and I did too, but loved the band Party of Helicopters uh, from Ohio, and they were doing a tour at the same time, and they're like let's like they said we should they get us into the show uh, if we like drove up to this the town i can't remember what it was uh like eugene or something like that uh and like we can like watch i was like well can we play like are we gonna get gas money like are we gonna like i i don't have any place planned to like stay for us you know it was just i remember just being very like felt really underappreciated for like i like booked this whole thing for this band and everyone did, did nothing but complain about the shows and like the situation and how ri rigid i was about trying to like make the tour work when, there's always that person in the band and it's always me uh, but, yeah you know. it's just because i think we're the same it's like and the reason like when we decide like yes let's go on tour jonah you do it and i asked why and they said well it's like well you're the most outgoing it's like you there's just a personality type for it you know yeah but i think sometimes you know not to i feel like i'm saying well you're not outgoing but you know <laughs> I, I guess i'm saying for me it's like it's like yeah i'll do it i guess i'm the most equipped but it's like and then also like makes me like in charge of merch, but it, it can barely count. So then I'm like, there's probably someone that's better at this than me. I'm just the one that's better out of the group. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. Yeah. And that's always yeah. just kind of a, yeah, delineation uh, by, you know, who's willing. Do you think John, uh, John Sampson, I keep, I keep wanting to say his middle name with it, John but, K. Like, Sampson. but does he say that or is it like, I don't know. you know, or is it kind of like a stage name, you know? Yeah. Good point. You know? I don't know. Um, do you think he uh, would be the one who counts out his merch? Man, seems like he would be. He seems pretty meticulous. Just his lyrics alone, just you know, the the the, the amount of detail in his lyrics about just objects, things uh, makes me believe he's a guy that keeps track of things. Maybe a little OCD in that way. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, like my friend was like. Uh, well, what we, my bandmate was like, uh, well, when you sell the shirt, I mean, do you know, like how many we sold and like, maybe we can see if we need to reprint it. Like if that seems to be the most popular shirt that we've done, we should reprint that one. I'm like, yeah. why aren't you doing this? Like this yeah. sounds like something you know how to do, but it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, John K. Sampson's, uh, very good at that. You know, yeah like, like, i used to do the uh anytime there was a golden voice show in hawaii i would uh, uh do i would work the merch booth uh and um you know and i that's i got i got pretty good at that but i remember i'm not good at math and so i'd always the the till would be off a little bit every yeah. single time i remember getting chewed out by the tour manager of a monster magnet or static x i can't remember which one it was um they were both playing the show but I remember just like, he's like, you fucking, and I dressed like real dumb. Like I dressed in these like, sh like gym short shorts and this ringer tee just because I wanted to look real dumb at this like, you know, rock show. And like this guy is like chewing me out. Like as I just look like an idiot 
wearing a headband. God, uh, I'm I like, I'm, like do... I'm 17. I don't know what I'm doing. I had to do merch for uh, Pete Wentz. What's the the singer of Fall Out Boy? I don't think that I don't think Pete is Wentz that? is. I think he's the most famous one because he had that. Sorry, dick Patrick pick. Stump. Sorry. Patrick okay. Stump. Yeah. Sorry, Patrick Stump. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Stump was doing a solo tour and I uh, just local venue was like, will you do merch that night? And I'm like, sure. Uh, but then like, it was like the end of the night and they were like, it's off by a hundred dollars. Oh, uh, you can come clean. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it was like, basically I didn't write down. He was selling watches like Patrick Stump watches and they were a hundred dollars and i sold one but didn't like mark it down oh sure and they're like oh there's only one watch left so you're good yeah uh, you're but good. it was, you it was so steal. stressful because they were like they were like this is you know these are smalls these are mediums it was just like around oh the, yeah and then doing so like yeah just doing, doing the numbers like, the recount at the end yeah it was man. yeah luckily that this tour we didn't have any merch at all should have had something you know i mean it's not like we like no one no one really liked us. Like the guy that liked us the most was um, at our San Francisco show, and where he uh, like was just dancing to us the whole time. And then afterwards, was like, "Do you guys have a place to stay tonight?" We're like, "No." He's like, "Well, we're having a party down the street at my place. We're cooking some food. You can crash in one of the rooms." And we're just like, "Oh, thank God!" You know, that guy would have bought a shirt. Did you play at? Um, where'd you play in? Uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, that was the back room of uh, Mission Street Records. Uh, okay was still there, we yeah. played gilman street and uh, but everyone i know that has played gilman street it's not like a big band like has a bad show yeah, <laughs> yes. like a, but we had a pretty good show it was like a sunday night and both nice. fans on tour got paid but that was like it because we were just i feel like going into it i was like it's gonna be a bad show like i've only heard my friends that aren't in like fucking mad ball or whatever you know yeah, yeah. allowed to play there because um, it's a pretty big place uh, yeah, it is a gigantic place. Uh, and I'm sure it's fun if it's full. I've never seen a show that was full there. It was not full, but it was It was still like, I think everything got taken care of. And yeah. know, they were like, "This here's some money. You know, I don't know if that was, you know, uh, Green Day money at the end of the day, you know, but. You, yeah, you never know. I hear that they're keeping it alive there. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's like, he is um, giving back to the scene. That's for sure, you know. Yeah, good for that's good. good good for uh, billy i i think like even looking back at records like this and i think it's just like given in 2020 times like records used to be really long and i used to be very excited about that because i could turn over a cd and be like you know this spaz cd has 25 tracks on it so I'm yeah like, my money's worth you know yeah um, so now i'm like oh it's 51 minutes you know <laughs> like, yeah you know um, yeah, I mean, I don't like any, I rarely like a song over three minutes. Yeah. You know, 3.30 is pushing it for me. Um, but how long is this album? 45 minutes? It's 51 minutes and 46 seconds. Oh, it is 51 seconds. minutes. Oh, shoot. And there's a lot of songs over the five minute mark. I know, but jeez. Yeah. It's, it's still, yeah. but it's an album, you know? Yeah, but I, I, I don't tend to mind songs that are like long. It's like, it's like, oh, give me 10 songs, but there you give or give me give me 10 minute songs but still don't make the record over four minutes so i guess i'm talking about yeah. a four song album it's just like it's like a time thing it's like i don't yeah. care about the actual length of the song but it's like you know but it is hard you can was, get fatigue on a long album you can yeah. you know, it'll it'll like it'll restrict you from you know putting 
uh, putting it on more, I think. But sometimes it's not going to be too short, and just like the the repetition kind of gets a bit a bit too much there. Yeah, um, like every album doesn't need to be like a Joyce Manor record where it's yeah, like fifteen yeah. minutes. But yeah, yeah exactly. But then it's, like then it's just an EP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you but, uh, were to one song, that's tough, man. <laughs> I mean, everything must go. The opening track is just so so great. I also love the fact that it's everything must go with an exclamation mark. Um, uh, but it's like one of the most mellow songs on the album. Yeah. Um, and I just love just the, you know, like I, I love an album that uses the word cutlery because it's or a song that uses the word cutlery. Cause it's just like, a, I think like, you know, for me, like, it's like everything must go, uh, um, cutlery and coffee cups. I stole from all night restaurants. It's like, uh, but then I also think about, um, Bjork's hyper ballad. With mm. Car parts, bottles, and cutlery. Yeah, it seems whatever like, I find. It seems like a a hard word, or there's there's a lot of those words in this record. But I don't feel like it ever takes me out of it. Um, no, I don't no. Feel like I tend to be like I appreciate lyrics, but I, it doesn't seem to be the first thing that like jumps out at me. As, Never is for me either. Okay. And so when it's something, you know, I, it's funny, my wife always makes fun of me, like one of the first mixes I ever made for her well, had a Cubs and Five by Mountain Goats on it, which is all about how like, you know, this is not going to work out. Like, <laughs> and I, she's like, I just wasn't sure how you felt about me because you put Cubs and Five in there. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's a, it's a very fun song. Uh, she's, and like, she kind of broke it down. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I've you know. done that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, and their songs will be like, listen in the car. I'm like, I really like this record. And she's like, have you listened to the chorus? Like, usually it's, I listen to the chorus and that's like, I guess that's what the song's about. You yeah. know, and then the verse is sort of like, you know, they'll twist it. Like I get how songwriting works, you know, yeah. but yeah. they'll twist it in a way. It's like, I haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, uh, so I always do that. But I don't feel like with any of these songs, like any of the words don't, take me out of it but sometimes i feel like i subconsciously start to get a song before i really understand like what the lyrics are about even if it's the first thing is like something sad here you know yeah yeah you know i uh i just this this ridiculous thing and he still makes fun of me for it but you know the second toys that kill record uh sean cole had a song on it called uh wired resident and i remember like thinking it was about like Cause I was a fan of toys I killed, but then I, and I also auditioned for them uh, to be their drummer when they lost their first drummer. And um, I, uh, I remember like I was kind of lived in Pedro right after the tour kind of stayed there a bunch. And, um, and like, you know, there was like a lot of partying and a lot of drugs. And, um, and I just remember thinking like when I heard this song, it was, I was like, Oh God, wow. Sean wrote a song about that scene, the, like the four street scene in San Pedro, all the recess records, kids and all that. And uh, I was like, I was like, obsessed with it and it was like it mapped out it was the soundtrack to that time of my life that's what i thought and i was like hey i want to ask you about the lyrics to wired resident and um he's like sure sure uh i was like this is what I, should i tell you what i think it is and like he's like yeah why don't you do that and like i go this and that and this i'm kind of going one to one this is like that night and this is like this guy and this time this happened to you and he's like okay all right that sounds cool uh i was like about how people were kind of doing like you know like speed and it was just kind of getting a bit gnarly and uh he goes all right yeah well it's about Nancy Reagan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, it's, uh, and then it kind of broke down the lyrics. I was like, oh yeah, that is a kind of about Nancy Reagan and her speed pills. And, uh, all right, well, 
I guess, but I'll, it still means that to me, I guess. He's like, well, that's great. That's that's a neat part about music. Yeah, I've even had times where I feel like my wife will explain to me what one of my songs are about. Yes. Like, and I'm like, oh, I guess that is what that's about, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'll happen sometimes. It just kind of, uh, you know, Tom Petty, a lot of times, like, had no idea really what he was singing about, like, when he wrote the lyrics. Like, he kind of just, it just kind of came out of him. Um and it's like sometimes like you know a reviewer or an interviewer like or a bandmate would say oh is this about this he's like oh yeah i guess yeah maybe i guess so huh yeah and like he just <laughs> and that was kind of like um that was you know I, to pick favorites oh man left and leaving it was uh, okay maybe it's easier to say if you had to cut a track or two off what would you cut um, because I'm with the label, and I really think that we need to get this record. <laughs> I like said without I, without without mythologies, I I take out. Um, well, he has I one had of those X mark on that too. That's the one that I would have taken out just because. And it's, it's a, and it's like, a neat song, but it is kind of yeah. and it, you know, they, uh, you know, of course it's a it's probably a side A uh, ending track most yeah. likely. Um. And, and, you know, they have, we could then have these songs, like, you know, like, uh, and he still has it in his solo stuff. There's always one of those kind of like, the the music is more there for tone and mood. Um, like, there's the uh, the goalie, I think is it goalie? Shoot, there's some other, you know, I think it's in Reconstruction Society where it's like, uh, like, he looked like our fathers. You know, he just, it's like, he just kind of, and then even in, um, there's like quiz night at looky Lose on one of his solo albums where it's like, there's a nice, there's like a nice like chorusy kind of like thing where he goes quiz night at looky Lose, and then, and then like, he'll just start talking about stuff and the music is there for me. I skip it. Yeah. But that's yeah. okay. I mean, you know, it's, it's still neat. It's still a neat sounding song. Yeah. In, sure. a, in a record that, um, I mean, it, it probably close to a perfect record. If not, like we could say it's a perfect record. Yeah. Like for that to be your bad song on record, yeah, but... it's hardly a song. You know, yeah. it's a it's it's a piece for sure. It's a musical yeah. piece, but like it does, you know, it does kind of feel like something that you would kind of you would get more like if you are listening to it on vinyl. It's almost like a palate cleanser. It's like yes. we're gonna go into this mood more, and then as you flip the record. You know, yes, we'll flip the record. The, you know, I'm, and I, I'm hoping this is the case that we're like this doesn't start. I, I like the me. theory. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like right after that is left and leaving the titular track, which I I'm like, I don't feel like I want to say it, but I think this is my favorite song off the record. But it's like it feels so easy to say, the yeah. titular track is your favorite song, but it's it such is. a good song. So good. Yeah. Uh, I I you know I'm gonna get I'm I'm gonna go history to the defeated. Uh, for if I if I were to take out a second song, that's the other one I have listed as cutting out as well. And these are both, and they're really close to each other. And they put left and leaving, but uh, or no, they're, I guess they're not too close to each other. But like, um, that's another one of those, you know, he essentially and it, the lyrics in this are great. That's the thing. It's like you could read his lyrics, and they 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 read like great poems. I always thought of that uh, with. Um, uh, the band out of uh, Glasgow, one of my favorite bands, uh, Paws, P-A-W-S. It's like, it's like mm. reading their lyrics made, 
like I always love the band. I love the sound. And I was like, you know, you know, kind of singing along. But then I, I think I just, you know, was on the band camp once and I just like, clicked on lyrics and I read the lyrics of a song of theirs. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This song is about his, his mom dying. Like, oh, my God, this is this is beautiful. Yeah. This yeah. Is beautiful. I, I, you can definitely do that with with uh, weaker thans. Um, I do think it's kind of funny. I feel like, have you ever had times where you're like reading someone's lyrics and you're like, you're like, not like that they're dumb lyrics, but it's just sort of like, this makes more sense in, you know, relation to the song, but sometimes people will kind of read them out loud and, you know, kind of like shit on an artist for having bad lyrics, but it's like, no, the melodies are great. Like sometimes yeah. it's always, but he's able to do both. And yes. you know, it's like the melodies are always really good. Plus, it's a lot of words, you know. And cut yes, and it's you know it's so funny. My friend talks about a lot about um, uh, someone who could use less words uh, is a uh, Ted Leo. It's like where it's a uh, Ted Leo writes great lyrics, um, but like he like really crams a lot in, and uh, so it's kind of it makes it a little hard to sing along to a lot of his songs because of how much is going on. Yeah, you feel like it's like the indie rock version of Shy Who Words sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And then there's, you know, bands like, what was that, 12 Hour Turn from, where were they at, from Florida or something like that? But th- there was like, um, that their lyrics for like a three minute song would be like, maybe like a, a short paragraph, but it was just like, but re- re- it was like all about repetition of certain lines. Yeah. Over the course of, you know, the bars. I don't know if you know this band, but there was a band out of, uh, Texas called A and S, and they were kind of like a. It was like around the time when everyone sort of sounded like some skate punk version of Black Flag. Yes, like, uh, um, around like 2010, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit before. Um, kind of pizza thrash and all that stuff was happening. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's. I think there was that was happening so much that I believe that's around the time that Steve Malcolmus uh, put out uh, his his song making fun of that. See, like what was going on called "Wig Out at Jag Bags." Oh yeah and, it was, yeah, and it was just about like trying to re, like trying to re, older guys trying to retake that old sound, that mm-hmm. black flag sound. Yeah, the the guy, uh, the the vocalist in that band though, it's like when you're kind of watching them, like they have like kind of pizza stuff and skateboarding on their mm-hmm. album art, but then it's like a few times I was reading their lyrics, it was just like, wait, what? Like it's like he's now like a doctor. And, oh wow! Uh, so it's just like it's it all fits in a thing where you're thinking he's talking about pizza or something, but it's like really big words, and you know it's like his the song would just be a paragraph of like probably a th- his, that was probably all his thesis is. Yeah, yeah. But but it didn't feel that way when he was when he was saying it. I'm like I could never do that. <laughs> yeah, I've always been so terrible writing lyrics. Uh, that's kind of was the idea behind that weird owl tribute record thing i did where it's like i had i liked to sing songs in the way i heard the melody in my head and i like to put them to you know kind of simple punk uh riffs but i never like felt i don't know if it wasn't like it was like a certain self like comfort or self-esteem thing but just like i didn't like coming up with lyrics because i would always accidentally reveal sad truths to myself about myself and like i was like i don't want i just want to have fun and play play guitar and sing and and the only lyrics I know were Weird Al lyrics, so I would just sing those. And that's how, it's just because I've just been so bad at it. Or it's like, it, it, you know, writing down a lyric, even if you're just trying to like play as if or play hypothetical, 
it's still coming from your brain and it, and it still it still feels so final when you make when you write a lyric it feels like you have to really believe in it yeah yeah i was thinking about when you said that like i feel like sometimes when i'm reading a song that kind of like has a lot of descriptors like i feel like i'm like are you like sometimes not with john k sampson um mm. but i feel like people are trying to kind of hide something sometimes yeah like they'll use like a you know like i don't know the leaf toiled upon you know the air yeah yeah it you know and then it's like what are you trying to fucking say you know like sometimes like yeah. and it's not like this is an example of where it's done well but i always feel like i understand at least a vibe of what he's you know, trying to or saying not trying to say uh yeah oh you know. for sure i mean and it's and it's and it's still like but it's still um lyrical it's still floral you know it's still very um poetic i think uh in the way he places the words and chooses the words because it's like you could also go like sun kill moon uh where it's like he's just like uh i'm not sure if you do you know sun kill moon at all yeah um i think i think he got canceled but i uh um but like his lyrics are just like there was someone put out a band camp parody of sun kill moon and they just they didn't even change the name to just put it out as a sun kill moon ep and it's literally like uh like it's just that same kind of nylon string guitar picking and a guy just going like oh i went down to the, to the mission district heard they had good burritos so i went and got a burrito ran into my friend ben ben's a good guy and i'm not sure they didn't pretend anything was going on went down to the record store guy old record saw my record and i used to be pretty good yeah like it's just like it's like are these just stream of conscious uh you know diary entries of your day are these just yeah. the bullet points and yeah, he has like a newer record uh that came out and i swear there's i think they mentioned like a review where it's like list or something and he's really yeah. just like reading lists yeah but that's like you know that's kind of the thing about uh everything must go is like uh, you know a lot of that is a list yeah. uh a lot of that a lot of the song is just he's like naming off stuff that he's selling and um you know, you can't deny the song aside, though. That's that that might be that might be the song that really gets me going the most on this album. Are you saying that because it was on the wedding crash? The wedding crash. I was working at a movie theater when that movie came out. <laughs> and I remember because they would always play soundtracks. It was always like pop music or like scores or stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I'm like cleaning up the you know, popcorn machine or something like that. And just like i was like what the fuck what's going on yeah. like i freaked out i was like what is this why is this song playing and then like and then a spoon song would play and like that soundtrack is great yeah yeah it has it a feels ton like, of great stuff like those moments where something like that happens it feels like like the cliche would be like it's like an acid flashback or something but it like makes yeah. you feel like it's like this shouldn't be happening in this moment like it's like weaker than mixed with owen wilson you know yeah, you like know, this bro like, comedy. It's just this never the twain shall meet. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand, but that's also kind of starts breaking your brain. I guess to something we we're talking about before is kind of like maybe we've set parameters on these things that that shouldn't meet, and they're not as far apart as like we think. Sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 very possible. It's it's funny because I I remember the year it was a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, when when I was a kid, it must have been you know mid '90s, early '90s, some of that. But it was um, uh, I remember all the adults in the room freaking out because there was a Mercedes commercial with a Led Zeppelin song, and they lost their minds. They're like, "What is what? 
what Led Zeppelin in a commercial, like for the for Mercedes, like they they. I felt like it was the analogous version of like what I was going through. Like, yeah. what do you what do you mean? This this doesn't wish, this. Yeah, I wish I could witness that with like every every time a new CSI comes out, yeah. somebody doing that with the Who, like the Who. Yeah, the what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but uh, it's a uh, you know it's funny because it's like, or when a band we know it's like it's like wow they're doing the soundtrack to that movie that's that's pretty cool but like. That was probably it. Well, like it when uh, the graduate came out, and they're like, they're like, "Whoa, Simon and Garfunkel doing the soundtrack? That's cool." Yeah, it's like Civ being uh, in like car commercials. Yeah, is Civ, they're playing Civ songs in a car commercial. I think so. I mean, I know they were used for just commercials in general. Like, just can't wait one minute more. Or yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. It's a and I think song. it's like mainly like the beginning. Well, what I was thinking about with left and leaving though. Um, I like to go back uh, if there's a pitchfork pitchfork review and read it from oh, wow. 2000. Um, I'm not going to read it now, but just like the mm-hmm. tone of that because it was I think at a 6.1, which overall like isn't that bad in pitchfork terms. Yeah, just, like the things that they say they kind of put it in those terms where it's like there was a punk band and they played fast and now this is what the nerdy guy does. So there was all that yeah. vibe with pitchfork at the time. It was very like just take the wind out of anything that seemed remotely pop or emo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought that <laughs> that's now, what they mainly do now is just review pop records. They all seem to be like, you know, I don't know. Like it's like everyone's just his backing band. Yeah. The most. Yeah. I know it's, and I'm sure they brought a lot, they clearly brought a lot to it, you know, um, cause there are some like, you know, some you know on the john k samson solo stuff like there's the the there's those little flourishes and little leads and like um i think the drummer in the weaker thens his choices were like interesting and incredible um all the time you know it's a i i some the time signatures or the the um there's stuff i've ripped off from him before just uh it's i mean everyone brought so much to it it's a very like a, it's like but you can't deny that the singular force of John K. Sampson, just with those those lyrics and that voice. And uh, what I like about this album too is like the louder songs. Like his, it's like they're, they're like the drums. They're playing them hard. Like everyone's like playing the instruments hard. But like his voice is just very measured and you know um, quiet. And and that almost makes it more forceful. And um, even with like Pamphleteer, where it's like. Uh, I am your pamphlet. Like it's like, then there's a huge like drum and it like kind of, it's almost like a, you know, a slow mosh part at that point. Yeah. I I couldn't find information about like who actually did what. So I'm kind of just like, well, I guess like John P. Sutton did the bass parts, but I really like like the bass playing on, especially like the quiet songs. Yeah. It's just so like, you know, it doesn't draw attention to itself, but it's Mm -hmm. always kind of like at the right Place, at like, the right place yeah and yeah. sometimes i think the drums are like that too where it's like a little like a, a like a ting you know just at the yeah. like an off time ting uh on the bell maybe of the yeah and, and it really has that steve albini the drums on this record have that steve albini sound that i missed on the later records on uh reconstruction side and um it was a little bit more compression on those but like what i loved about this the drums sound big and it sounds like steve albini did them in that like live room effect that he does elvis costello wouldn't like that 
That's true. Yeah, he wants it. <laughs> he wants that, you know, towel on the snare drum 80s punk sound. <laughs> I do. I think it's funny that you brought up uh, him. I, well, I know that I'm trying to think who, I don't even think I wrote down who, uh, usually I write down who produced the record, but it was so like, I don't know who this person is. That, yeah. Uh, did so you try and look up who that person was to see if they did anything uh, else? No. no. Usually I <laughs> But yeah. it was, I think, like, I kind of looked and I'm like, I don't know, which is kind of rude. This person could have been, like, every, it could be, like, every Sloan record or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but but I didn't in this regard. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned uh, Steve Albini with kind of, like, things coming up. It's like, how does Elvis Costello even know that Steve Albini exists? And yeah. It's like, it's like, why does it, why is this a thing in 2020 that people are, like, taking down Steve Albini? You know, for that, it's like, but I've heard Steve Albini, rec- Albini records that I'm like, he did this? Like, it, it's it's a weird thing with him. Like, Yeah, well, he doesn't, you know, he just has his rate. Yeah. And he he's and he's a um, he's an engineer. He'll, he'll be the first to say he's an engineer, not a producer. Yeah. And I think you know. probably people put a little too much like it's like he would like from all the things I've read, like he doesn't want people to kind of elevate him to the thing we're, we're kind of using him as like just an example because it's you know it's weird that people kind of use him as producer when he said so many times like yeah i'm an engineer so it's like in a normal he doesn't help people with songs yeah so it's like you would even or you would even like take it you know record it with him and then get someone to kind of help you clean it up a little bit you know Mm -hmm. gussy it up some and like but people are like no steve albini did it you know and that could that could 100 percent be what the end result is but you know uh but kind of i guess factoring back into weaker thans but whatever's a well, but real quick before we leave uh albini <laughs> yeah. uh but like you know i just read the uh, 33 and a third um i think grossman i can't remember the guy who wrote it uh i feel bad uh but um the 33 and a third uh book on in on the kill taker uh by fugazi they did that whole record with albini and then we're like nah everyone agreed that like they're like there's just something not here and it's not working and they and they, so they went back to inner ear studio to do with that guy. But like, uh, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, and that's, like, that's wild. Cause I mean, but they ended up doing it with Don Zantara. I, I read yeah. a lot about that. Like, uh, just, I always insert my own band into these things. Yeah. Like we had a similar situation where it was just, a lot of it was our fault. I don't know whose fault that was. Um, just kind of things happen. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, I felt like I was researching like situations where it's like, who's recorded their record twice, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird to kind of see like how many times that has kind of happened, you know. More yeah. Realize, um, and I think Pinkerton is also has, was recorded twice. Mm-hmm. I think that was like they recorded it like real nice and clean, like the blue album, and then didn't really like it, then went in and just did it like you know, kind of live to tape. Do you think I you think... have an opinion of which one you would like better, or do you just kind of appreciate it for what it is, Pinkerton? Oh, I love Pinkerton's my favorite uh, Weezer record um i i don't i wouldn't want it to sound any other way again because it has that room sound it has the, like that's my favorite drum sound i love yeah. it's like to hear that that i love to feel like i'm in the room with the drums because i'm a drummer and so that's i want to feel like i'm close to that you know i feel yeah. that's another thing that like cloud nothings who was he was one of my favorite new drummers i loved how loud the drums were on those early records in this in this new recording which i think they did with albini like but there, it's like the drums are kind of turned down or they're a little, little, little more subdued than, uh, did you hear the cloud? Nothing's like uh free jazz stuff that they were. Playing? No, I did not. Yeah. It's good. 
I mean, oh, I, I'll check it out because that guy makes great weird choices. Like the drummer in that band, just the, like, like when he does something, I'm just like, what? Like, it's not like blown away. Like how could that? It's like just the, the, the thought process of going, I'm putting this, this, this thing here. Yeah. Is, I feel like there's certain think, people that kind of like their whole style of playing is almost like, and it sounds like I'm like kind of shitting on it, but it's like, they know a trick. And yes. they're going to use that trick a lot. It's a really yeah. cool trick, and a lot of us can't do it. Uh, but the drummer in Cloud Nothings, like he uses that trick a lot. He does. Yeah. He does. And, but it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's you know, and I'm that's the kind. I'm like uh, I'm a drummer. I like to, I like to you know, show off. I like I get busy, uh, you know. And and some guys like it. Like you know, I play, I play with a I had a band. I guess we're still. We never really broke up it's just you know we don't do anything but uh, it was like me and cody Votolato from the blood brothers and uh denver uh daily from uh uh you know uh, uh desaparecidos and we like you know made some songs and recorded a an album um and it was like one of those things where uh like at a like when we were recording like live like when we practice like i'm like doing all these things because i think it sounds really cool and i like to kind of like you know i like a busy drummer i like mitch mitchell from you know Jimi hendrix experience and stuff like that and like uh, i remember cody uh, like i was like god we can't play this keep on playing the song it's like it's too tiring he's like well whose fault is that busy busy body <laughs> yeah i remember we were recording and uh the the producer was like okay so on the four you do a fill every time but you also kind of on the two do a fill just do it on the four yeah and yeah the drummer is just like oh. But it was it was right in that moment. But you know, yeah, hard. yeah, so, I know. You know, and I don't think it's always right. Like I think, you know, there's certain things that I feel like people are going to now. Like I struggle with the whole idea that everything needs to be to a click. But younger people just throw rocks at me, you know, for saying that. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, but I'm like, but sometimes things need to kind of like be fucked up on purpose. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I knew like you need to. It, there's some. There's a that it's almost the umami of sound of just like uh there's something about it that just makes it you know now it, it sounds more now that way i think yeah and it could very well be that some of the records that have that kind of magic drum are probably all to a click but you know it's like some sort of human element needs to like enter that i mean i feel like this record has a lot of that um you know but as a I'm not a drummer, so I don't know if yeah. it's to a click or if that's even interesting in this regard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell, you know. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's the, if you if it's done right, you can't tell. Yeah, I have a, I have friends that are like, uh, I'll be listening to a record uh, and they'll be like, this record wasn't recorded to a click, was it? And I'm like, wait, this Who's Do record? No. Yeah, no, like, no, like, it wasn't. It's yeah. like, why would you even pick up on that? Like, that was something I never thought to think about, you know? Yeah. No, I'm the I'm the same way. It's like I, I you know, I'm I'm a lo-fi guy. I like things uh, a bit rough around the edges, a little sloppy. You know, that's just kind of it's what I like. But I, I think it's what's interesting, you know, like I I assume with the past projects of everyone in this band, like well, as you know, with propaganda, it's like they played in punk bands, like whatever yeah. kind of quotes we want to put on it. So to be able to see that they can like leave so much space on the record is like something like as i listen to it i'm like ah oh, it's just like i want to be able to like i i feel like i as a bass player it's like 
you know, I want to be loud. And that's like really all I have. <laughs> Yeah, we, that's a good point. There's and there's a uh, an extreme amount of confidence to put out a, a songs like that and a record like that with that space. Just knowing that, like you know, as a bass player, just going like doom, doom. Like it's like knowing that that's gonna overall be what's best for that rec that song. But like, it's like it's that idea of just like I'm not doing anything. Like it's like you know, it's I, I there's that kind of a famous story uh in uh some like it hot i think and um and you know like uh the director's telling um jack lemon to like it's like he's like he's like you gotta you gotta go smaller you got it's like uh it's like you gotta bring it in and like they do another take he's like he's like still more more you gotta it's like you're going too big you gotta bring it bring it in bring it smaller uh and then like uh, and then like he's like he's like again it's like you're still uh, like he's like if He's like, it's like, if I do any less, I'm not going to be doing anything at all. And like, he's like, exactly. Yeah. Uh, who, who directed that? That was, um, Jesus Christ. Like one of the, the is he Sunset German? Boulevard. Uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I was thinking, of, uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't feel like I ever like paid attention to, uh, that director that we can't figure out who I feel like I, now I'm, it's bothering God, It's like if people are screaming at us right um, now. Um, um, Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So Billy Wilder directed uh, Sun Sunset Boulevard and Some Like It Hot. Um, I've actually been kind of digging more into it, and I I, I watched the apart the apartment during yeah. quarantine. Like I really have gone through some of these, um, probably because of Unspooled. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, like it's just like I never really realized or just put a name to those movies like and yeah and that might have actually been the movie i was thinking about uh as opposed to something like it hot i think it might have been the apartment that he was trying to get him to go smaller yeah but uh but yeah it's 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 really tough to like kind of know like be able to like do less it's like such a hard thing it sounds so like ugh, i want to be able to be confident about doing less <laughs> yeah i have a hard time you have when i make songs i like i make them quick and i make them loud and i get to the end as much as i can and i feel that way it's I, and it's a confidence thing because i i think the same thing about you know my stand-up like the like i i would rush through jokes i would rush through my set because i didn't have the utmost confidence in what i was doing and so i would just try to rush to the punchline and get on to the next thing and i would even like in the structure of the joke i'd be like have the setup and i'd have a joke which could clearly what you're supposed to do is build it out you know like set up the premise and then have multiple jokes and kind of play within the sandbox that you just built with the setup but i was like i had no confidence so i would just like get the setup get a joke i'd be like who am i to ask for more <laughs> than this yeah. one joke from the setup and then get on and that's the you know that the great thing about about this record and just about that idea of just it's like let's just slow down and just like have the confidence but it's also because they're all really good they all like you know and and you got the that fucking john k samson voice yeah it's easier to do i feel like when people if you get to a point which i also could go back to confidence if you get to a point where you feel like people are kind of watching you or just paying attention to the things you're doing i feel like that confidence could come with it you know, yeah. um, and I'm saying that even with them, it's like maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's something that they just did, or maybe people like them that much where it's like we can kind of slow down and people will come to us. I feel yeah. like it happens in like comedy too, 
but I, well, feel I mean like, like you watch a, any of the new Chappelle stuff he's like he's the slowest he's ever delivered yeah. stuff is like nowadays yeah I and mean, it's not I, as funny but it's uh but it, but he's like you know he's still he's still very interesting and enthralling to watch but yeah. he's like not even concerned about getting to jokes he's just you know but you're watching because he like we go we go to we go to him yeah i think you know well what you got to do is you got to get a stool <laughs> just Marin did it yeah when Marin um, started doing the stool i was like here we go you do it too you should do that you get a stool grow out a goatee kind of thing you know, yeah I yeah exactly a Marin fan um i know he'll yeah. never listen to this anyways no, uh, he won't. Uh, it's funny. I remember like when I was like in my twenties, I was finally able to grow a mustache. I grew a mustache and did the little soul patch. And then like I ran into him, and that's right around the time he started doing. It. He's like, "Oh, so you're doing a mustache mustache now too?" And I was just like, "Fucking hey, get out of here." Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I've been a fan of your work for you know, I so I appreciate you talking to me no, uh, about this record. You know, letting yeah. me just reach out to you blindly. Um, you know, what have you been up to these days? I guess if people aren't paying attention. Uh, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm mainly kind of like, uh, working on some, uh, different movie ideas with some people, uh, um, developing stuff and writing scripts. Um, with, uh, one of them is with like Alex Winter, uh, who it's like, that's like a, that's a really exciting thing going on right now, uh, that hopefully will work out. Um, and, uh, I started doing a, uh, a new podcast that's acts as a commentary track, you know, it's called, let me watch your movie with you, where I just like watch a movie over zoom with, uh, with someone who was involved in it. And then, uh, just put out the, the conversation with a little countdown timer. So people could like, listen to the, listen to the podcast while they watch the movie. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. And then, yeah, other than that, I'm just kind of, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, just a whole lot of whole lot of nothing whole, you know yeah i isn't this opportunity to just kind of reset i really enjoyed your run on uh mystery science theater uh it was oh, good to see that back um you know i don't i hope it seems like there might be plans you know to do something but i think that's yeah probably, joel's always kind of figuring something out you know yeah. hopefully soon there'll be something to announce yeah. maybe it'll pop up on tubi tubi voodoo who knows yeah. <laughs> and he'll be back on it again yeah um, but yeah i mean i even like I, I think what's really cool about the podcast you're doing now is just how you were saying at like the top might have been the first episode where you're talking about like well i haven't been to film school so i'm going to use this as you know kind of a way to kind of talk to these directors about what they did uh i'm excited about the prospect of you know i guess you being a director or doing that some if that's something yeah i mean that that was the idea from the get-go um stand up was my way into show business you know that was my way into like i didn't know how to i didn't know how to you know go on an audition or then i didn't couldn't afford a camera but i wanted to you know i wanted to act and write and make movies and, and tv and stuff like that and so like stand-up was like essentially my i always like refer to it as like it was like the unlocked back door in, into showbiz where i was like hey no one there's no guard over there we can just get in this way and then you go into a coffee shop you do some open mics and then you know hopefully it progresses and works out for you, which it did for me uh, a bunch. Um, but like, it's like, I, I also know that sometimes you can kind of get locked in a track where you're just kind of thinking about the thing you're doing that's kind of gotten you this other stuff as opposed to really stopping and thinking about the stuff you want to do. And so, um, you know, just getting, getting more opportunities to act and stuff. And, 
like you know the, a movie I had a movie come out this year that a, like a Hulu movie with Felicia Day uh, called uh, Puka Lives, which was like kind of like a mm. horror comedy thing. And um, the but the director of it was Alejandro Brugues, who like did uh, this amazing movie called uh, uh, Juan of the Dead. When it's like a, it's it's a Cuban zombie comedy, and I remember loving it when I saw it. And so now we're buds, and we're kind of trying to see it's about something to work on. So it's you know it's it's just about kind of uh, resetting and having that intent. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was thinking about it like because I feel like you've expressed that in like some of the podcasts I've listened to you on, uh, kind of like. I guess uh, I'll phrase it in a way like I guess you've ended up in a lane where you didn't really expect to not that it's a bad lane to be in but it's yeah. you know to, like you said you know uh, so I think about that like with like playing music it was like mm. when I was younger it was probably more I feel like I'm more interested in like movies than I am music a lot of times so you know and even sometimes when I'm talking about music I'll be like but it's like this movie and then yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's a big thing for me. And that's almost like a reset for me of like, that's the idea of this, the podcast. This is like, it's like, I want to, you know, cause I have the music podcast, which is fun. That's just like, basically, you know, my, my poker night with my friends, you know, uh, where we just talk about music with Jonah radio. Um, but yeah, it's that thing of just like, I want to put my attention and energy towards the stuff that I've wanted to do since I was a child. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, once again you know i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and no this was a blast i really really had a really really good time um and i i now should take off because i gotta go get a a covid test oh i got one this morning oh nice was it nose or swab uh oof i haven't done the nose one yet i hope i i heard it hurts it wasn't too bad but um they cvs switched to like when I think when I did it for the first time in like May, they had a longer one that felt like it went way higher, but yeah, like the swabs are getting shorter. Yeah, oh, the, the nose ones. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, all right, well, but, we'll see what it is. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Are you stuck at home and need new records, but it doesn't feel safe to venture out, or you don't want to support big box stores? Go to lunchboxrecords.com for the best new releases and a whole lot more. If you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can do safe pickup. But if you live elsewhere in the United States, they'd be happy to ship to you. At checkout, just enter discount code SPINNINGOUT for 10% off. Come on, you love new music, so trust me, it's easy. Hey, there you are. Welcome back. Thanks again to Jonah Ray. Please check out Jonah's podcasts such as Jonah Radio and Let Me Watch Your Movie With You. And next week, we're talking to Sean Rohrer of 6131 Records about Siv's 1995 album Set Your Goals. You can find it on streaming as a complete discography, but we're talking solely about the first album. And boy, do we talk, talk, talk about it. We will actually be splitting the episode into two parts, so for the first time, we'll have two episodes next week. Big fan of Sean. Sean's been a great supporter of all of my endeavors. We've been great friends for a few years, but I'll gush more next week. Once again, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Check out the tiers. We'll be dropping premium content ASAP. Also, rate, review, and subscribe. Find us on social media such as Instagram and Twitter. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. On that note, hit the theme!